0: we're sponsored by yahoo this week i hit my queue this week also which is huge after i kind of missed that week one but still a little bit of still a little bit of tech issues getting started up we're we're bringing it together uh, also subscribe to the awesome podcast network we're not only on video we're on podcast form too so you can listen to us on the go maybe even steal your girlfriend's phone right subscribe to us there if she catches you may- maybe say you're looking at her text messages because then she breaks up with you then you have to find a new girlfriend. Then you steal her phone, and you can subscribe to the podcast there too, right? And and then we get even more numbers. That's what it's all about. So Jeff, week two, we've got a whole lot of injuries this week. Uh, we had a few last week, but nothing like this. I mean, this is this is this feels almost like a week sixteen type type slate.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. First of all, there's so many ways you can be the number one subscriber for us. you don't need a girlfriend. You can just get a new one, right? So exactly, like Greg said, but. Yeah, I mean uh, the 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 injuries for week two. Obviously, uh, we expected them. There, there'd probably be some early stuff going on, and and there has been. I mean, it, it's been uh, it's been weird. It's 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 just kind of like piling up like slowly, and it's like rolling into this big ball where it's just like Godwin, uh, Galladay again out, no, Gittle. I mean, all these huge names, Michael Thomas. Like none of these guys are playing. It's crazy. So um, yeah, tons to go through as far as injuries. Um, definitely, uh, you know, check out uh, the obviously the awesome show tomorrow that, that'll be going through it like pregame, but um, uh, I mean, look, all these guys are big names. Um, uh, the good news is we're getting early news on mo- most of these guys, right? I mean, um, I think the only guy we're waiting on is is Godwin. is that correct? Like, he returned to practice Friday, uh, concussion protocol still in, but uh, looks like he might suit up. Uh, oh, no, he's doubtful, so he's probably not going to suit up. It's uh,
0: <laughs> I mean, like, Courtland Seiden's courtland sutton's questionable i think he's the biggest name who's yeah. up in the air whether to play or not uh but yeah i mean there's gonna be a lot of guys to go through a lot of value situations we'll start a quarterback here uh, lamar jackson was the chalk to position last week kind of same price point this week but probably a better matchup even against houston uh yet the ownerships project for about half of what it was last week uh, i kind of think for the ownership lamar jackson's a better play than he was last week uh, how do you feel about lamar jackson
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the first things I did actually was, well, I made a Lamar, a couple of Lamar Jackson lineups last night and I made them with the idea of, well, I better check just what, you know, I want to check what his ownership is and, and stuff like that before I, I commit to it. And I, and I came in and looked and I'm like, you know, I'm going to get Lamar Jackson like half DAC ownership here. I mean, that's pretty much what we're projecting about it. Awesome. I'll throw that out for you guys. Um, that's pretty damn good, Greg. Like uh, this is a really good spot. We saw what the Texans defense did last week. I mean, with, with Patrick Mahomes and and, you know, Clyde Edwards layer on on the ground. I mean, this is a good spot for a guy like Lamar Jackson. And I think it's a really good spot to pair him with Marquise Brown as well. I mean, who, who in the the Texan secondary, we supposed to be afraid. I mean, Bradley Roby's okay. Still Uh, that's about it. I I don't really think that he's necessarily going to shut down Marquise Brown though. Um, I like the spot a lot to go, to go overweight on Lamar Jackson. Uh, it, It actually almost feels like finally, you know, with all these other names like Kyler coming off a big week, getting ownership, Dak in in like a fantastic matchup against Atlanta. It's like finally people are just like backing off of Lamar, but his matchup, it's just as good as the other guys. So I'm not really, I was, like I said, I was a little bit surprised he wasn't cracking the top three, but I'll take it, man. Definitely going to be in on Lamar this week. You you know what I kind of think happened is
0: remember last week, everybody was on Lamar Jackson, even though he was really good you didn't need him last week, right? I mean, there were so many mid-range quarterbacks that had big games. And I think there's a lot of people that rostered Lamar Jackson last week who looked at the results and was like, oh, I didn't need Lamar Jackson. I didn't need to spend this much salary on him. Even though it kind of worked out, it wasn't necessarily optimal for last week. So I think a lot of people are looking at the results of of what happened in week one. And they're like, hey, I don't need a roster. Patrick Mahomes projected for 3% ownership this week. And that's ridiculously low for Mahomes. Uh, Jackson's low. And then like you said, it's a lot of those mid-range guys who are coming in as chalk in in Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray of those two which do you like more because I'm I'm a little wary of Kyler Murray going up against the Washington defense because this feels to me a lot like what happened with Carson Wentz last week where you know there, there's a pretty sketchy offensive line the Cardinals have and the front seven for Washington is ridiculously good they sat Carson Wentz eight times last week is there any reason to think that they won't be able to do the same thing against Kyler Murray
1: well I think the Cardinals are going to handle Washington, but I think it's not necessarily going to result in a massive game for Kyler Murray. Like, I think the way they're going to do it is just make them, you know, move them out of the pocket a little bit more, do the RPO stuff. That's going to keep the pass rush off balance and they have the ability to do it. Right. So I think that leads to bigger games though, for, for Kenyon Drake, for a guy like Kenyon Drake, maybe even chase Edmonds. I don't necessarily think it helps Kyler Murray because he's not going to be sitting back there. In passing and passing in in catch-up situations again, Um, because if, he, if they do get in that situation, we saw what Washington will do, right? And even Kyler Murray being a mobile mobile quarterback, maybe you get there with the rush yards, but I don't want to rely on on the rush rush yards alone, right? Like I want a good passing situation as well for Kyler Murray. He's not necessarily quite up to this, the the level of Lamar Jackson yet in the in the fact that you know they're going to use him primarily as a runner. Like a lot of his damage it comes on broken plays and stuff like that. So you have to be a little bit careful just projecting Kyler for like 90 yards every week. It's probably not going to happen. It might, I mean, what we'll see as the season goes on, but um, I agree. I, I'd rather go up to Dak Prescott uh, Atlanta's secondary is it's going to be really bad all year. Like Isaiah Oliver, uh, the guy they, they drafted AJ Terrell. I don't, I don't think Terrell's going to be that good. I he was, he's projected as a reach. So um looks like a real spot for Amari Cooper to get going and Amari and Dak have, insane home splits so uh there's the you know we have a pretty large sample size to rely on for kyler i think like i said i think arizona's gonna have a big game i just i'm just not as confident that kyler's going to like have a stealing performance here pass rush you know uh, other things i mentioned so definitely prefer dak there yes yeah, so i'm gonna have
0: some exposure to Kyler this week i agree with you that i prefer prescott though amongst the chalk quarterbacks the other thing too about prescott's situation uh, i like to make stacks and gpps to me, the Dallas-Atlanta game is just way more stackable than the Washington-Arizona game. So that's something else that's going to lead me on back is there's going to be wide receivers in that game that I just like a lot more than the other game, and that's what's going to lead me to that also. The other thing also with Kyler Murray is, like you said, we're going to be a little reliant on rush yards. If we are stacking with somebody, I don't even know who it is that I really want to stack them with. I mean, Hopkins yep. is fine, except there's other payup options I like at wide receiver too. And it's hard for me to really find. You mentioned Kenyon Drake. Maybe you could do that That sort of yeah. stack also. But it's just hard for me to find one guy that I really want to stack with Murray, whereas there's a ton of guys away from the <laughs> I other. I
1: think, it, just quickly, I think if you're going to do the Kyler thing, I think Kenyon and, and, and Kyler together this week might be a really good way to do it because you get exposure to all the touchdowns. Kyler rushes for two touchdowns and Drake does the same. That, that'll be a unique stack. So that's the way I'd look at that game, too. So here's something that stunned me looking
0: at the ownership that I can't wrap my head around. Tom Brady looked terrible last week. He's projected to be the third highest owned QB on this slate, and I can't put logic to it. I, I don't think that the Panthers are going to be a good defense by any means this year, but I can't justify looking at how Tom Brady played last week where, frankly, he looked old. And I understand that he's looked old before. I've written him off, I don't know, five times over the last 10 years, and I was wrong every single time. And I could very well be wrong this time, and I don't necessarily think that he has nothing left to offer. However, I don't think he's an elite fantasy option anymore, and I don't know how people are looking at Tom Brady and just giving him double-digit ownership. Do you see anything differently than I do? I
1: mean, maybe just a little bit different. Like I don't think Tom Brady's deep balls last last week were were necessarily bad. I think he he got a couple of passes broken up by a really good play by Machar and by Lattimore. Um, and, and things like that, and maybe just being a little bit off with his receivers. But I don't think it was all Tom Brady. At the same time, I agree with you from the fact he's not an elite fantasy option anymore. I don't care what offense he's in. Like, I, I'm not trusting Tom Brady at 6,500 uh, to put in a ceiling game against anyone. Like, I think he could have a good game. I don't know if he's going to get enough to win me GPPs, though. I mean, Ronald Jones is still there in Carolina. You know, Ronald Jones looks, looked actually okay going up a tough uh, against a tough run defense last week and now he gets the Panthers who's who actually graded out as the worst, or maybe it was like the the third worst run run defense from a DVOA standpoint last week. So I think Ronald Jones is in a pretty good spot too. And I just think that like like with Brady, um, I just don't think the upside is as much as like Ryan Murray, Prescott, all these guys in this range, we're going to be owned as well. So I agree. Uh, I I think Brady probably didn't play as bad as some people think last week, but uh, just as an elite fantasy option, I, I just don't see it anymore. Like, why Why would you pay up for, for a dude who's not going to rush at all um, and, you know, could get in a situation where, you know, the running backs take over too, so.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it's also just, I mean, it's not that he's all that cheap and the ownership, it just doesn't make sense to me. It seems like a, a name value play where people are almost like, hey, Tom Brady's in a great offense and he's Tom Brady. He can't have two bad games in a row. Maybe that's the thought process. The ownership just seems uh, really high to me. So a spot that we liked last week ended up working out. I think, you know, who I'm going to talk about here, uh, that we got, I think very lucky that it worked out Mitchell Trubisky, because the reason we really liked Trubisky was we thought there was a chance he was going to have rushing upside this year. Uh, he did not run the ball last week. He sucked through three quarters. All of a sudden the fourth quarter, he comes alive. He's throwing darts all around the field. Uh my favorite stack of the week last week was Trubisky and Anthony Miller. That had nothing going for it until the final, uh, final drive of the game for the Bears all of a sudden he throws a long touchdown to Anthony Miller and and it, everything looks gravy now I'm looking at Trubisky this week even though he's still only 5,500 plus matchup against the Giants I don't trust him as a thrower the reason that I liked him last week was because I thought there was a chance that Mitchell Trubisky is going to start running the ball again we did not get that and it's hard for me to think oh. he's going to run the ball going forward now
1: he did so run, he didn't rush for 26 yards Greg I mean he, he did run it three times but, like I, I mean he wasn't out there like like, I know what you mean. It wasn't Kyler Murray where he was using his run skills kind of like as a weapon. It was more uh, a couple escape opportunities. And, and you're right. I mean, it's it's not something that I'd want to say, you know, you rely on Mitch Trubisky, to a 26 yards each week, because I, I don't know how this is going to work out. He could just easily sit back in the pocket again. But I am 100% going back to the well here. Okay. <laughs> And a lot of it has to do with the matchup. I mean, the Giants' secondary is is absolutely terrible. Uh, slot, you know, just from a slot matchup, like Anthony Miller projects is just one of the best matchups on the board. Um, just from a grading perspective, I, I all about the Allen Robinson narrative this week as well, uh, dudes. You know, feeling disrespected um, when when guys typically come out in the media like that. A, you know, playing for a contract, you're you're, you're you want to show people what you do. You've made this big thing about it. And then B, you know, the Bears should be just peppering him with targets here if they want to keep him. So, you know, maybe it works out the other way. And and you know, he he he's in his own head, but I don't think so. I don't think Allen Robinson's that type of player. I, I think he he absolutely can can just lay one down here on on the um the the Giants secondary who allowed you know 80% completion rate to the the Steelers wide receivers last week. You know, we saw Juju getting open a will. Uh, Deontay Johnson had a had a really good game after a slow start. I don't see anything. That can stop alan robinson in the secondary um i'm going back to it and on the other side well we'll, we'll talk about running backs later but i i think you can come back with Saquon barkley or so I, I actually really like going back to a trubisky stack this week it's it's just that even though it worked out for me last week i feel like we were so
0: lucky for it to work out i mean absolutely I was, look great i, had, greg,
1: <laughs> I, I, I at the third quarter i'm like i was just waiting for nick Foles to come in i'm like this is terrible like the next saturday show with greg is going to be a disaster because we're going to be having to talk about this. And then all of a sudden he just, you know, one touchdown, two touchdowns. And it's like, he's winning the game. What is going on? So I was, uh, I was sweating bullets. I'm not going to lie. I had the, I had the tweet drafted ready
0: to take the loss and he threw a touchdown pass as I was drafting it. And I I tweeted, I ended up tweeting that, that, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was gonna get what I deserved by by stacking Mitchell Trubisky with his wide receiver so much, and I just didn't get what I deserved. I felt like we were really lucky last week because the other thing too was the way he had success. It was just not the avenue that I expected. It was it wasn't the reason I rostered him. I wasn't expecting him to throw yeah. for three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So I'm gonna have some Trubisky exposure, like you said. The the matchup is is right. I'm just not as high as I'm going forward as I was sure. in week one. I didn't yeah. see enough. I didn't see enough rushing. Attacks. Understandable.
1: Look, I'm someone who will, will put his hand in the cookie jar until, you know, it gets snapped or whatever. But um, the one thing I'll say is Trubisky has been really good in his career against weaker passing defenses, just weaker defenses in general. And he gets another one this week. So we'll see. I mean, I, I definitely am playing with fire going back to it, but as a cheap QB stack, there's, there's honestly no one I really like as much. And, Maybe he only rushes like three or four times, but he does have that upside. You never know. He might just pop off like a 60 yard or so. Any other quarterbacks you want to touch on before we move forward to the running backs? I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, I have a little bit of interest in Deshaun Watson as a low on play, but again, like Lamar Jackson's not going to be that highly owned. So I think I I would prefer probably going to that side in that matchup, but I do think Deshaun Watson always a little bit interesting uh, when he's going like really overlooked. Maybe Matt Stafford. Uh, I think he's going to have to throw a lot, but without Galladay, I just don't know if the upside's there. So, pretty much, uh, not really uh, anyone else. I'm super, super high on.
0: All right. So, before we move on to the running backs, guys. Today's show sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload, CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups make better choices, choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Also, Yahoo did have a little bit of overlay in week one, so check that out on week two because, you know, that's one of the best ways to find value in DFS. Look for that overlay, and that's always going to be a plus EV situation. So moving forward to the running backs, there are a few injuries here. I think most notably Marlon Mack tore his Achilles last week. Uh, I know this morning because you were on him a little bit, and, you know, who knows how that game would have turned out because he tore his Achilles pretty early on. And then we saw Naheem Hines and Jonathan, and Taylor uh, split snaps. Uh, I'm a little higher on Taylor going forward, but the field is also. Taylor projects to be one of the highest owned players on this entire slate. So between Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, which way are you leaning?
1: I'm probably Hines, to be honest. Um, Taylor's ownership is right up there. Um, I'm not actually sure what Hines is. I'm sure he's, he's going to garner some ownership as well. but um, 8%. 8%. Yeah, 8%. So, I mean, yeah, not that's pretty much kind of what I was expecting, that he would be, you know, just in that range. So I, I would go Hines. I mean, um, I don't really like the player as much. I mean, I definitely would rather, um, you know, go with Jonathan Taylor. But, again, it's a bit of an ownership thing. He, he is easily projecting to be the highest on play. And a couple of factors into it. I mean, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, for for as good as, as he did look in spurts last week, I mean, it was, he only produced 22 yards rushing on nine carries against the Jags, right? And now he's got you know Minnesota, who should still be like a better run defense, uh, like a, at least an above average run defense. Like I think the way that you're going to beat Minnesota this year is to pass against them. Uh, I think that the Colts will probably look to get a guy like Ty Hilton going a little bit after such a slow start, and uh, looking to what D- Devonte Adams did last week. I kind of like going uh, that route. I think you're going to get good leverage on a Ty Hilton play as well. I know I'm dipping into like the wide receiver talk, but it does kind of uh, factor in with Taylor. So for GPPs. I'm probably going to be just like a full send fade on Taylor uh, might mix in Naheem Hines, but I think the guy I'm going to target is, is Hilton as, as, kind of the leverage here. Again, it's nothing against Taylor. I just don't really think the spot is that good. And I also don't think he's going to play 80% of the snaps because Hines is, is a guy they've, they've had there before. Um, you know, Frank Reich has kind of just mixed RBs in his whole time when he's uh, when he's been in, in Indianapolis as well. I don't really see a, a massive, massive workload. I'd rather pay, for Kenyon Drake in that spot, uh, and eat a little chalk there. Uh, David Johnson, all these guys, same price, lower ownership, and uh, I like the spots better. That makes sense. I think the other thing, too, with Hines is there's a
0: little bit of game script that matters here, right? Because I do think if the Colts are ahead, it's probably going to be more of Jonathan Taylor in the fourth quarter, and if they're behind, it's probably going to be Naheem Hines. Yeah. So just thinking from a, from a lineup uh, construction standpoint, I think that I want to have Adam Thielen in a lot of lineups with Naheem Hines, if that's the route that I'm going towards. Because I think the situation where the Vikings get up ahead, it's probably going to be Thielen in the passing game. He caught a pair of touchdowns last week. That's kind of the lineup construction I think the game script sets up best for Hines. Is there is there anybody else from Minnesota that you think kind of makes sense in that, in that same vein?
1: Well, I think I think if you're going with my T.Y. Hilton call, you can play oh, Dalvin right. Cook on the other side, right? I mean, but right. yep. the Colts were were brutal against defending, uh, you know, uh, uh, receptions to the running back last week as well, or last year. Uh, I think they allowed the most receptions uh, in the entire league to the running back position, so that's a great, great sign for for Cook. Um, you know, if the, obviously if the Vikings get up a little bit, you're going to see more of him. He didn't take a huge workload in Week One. It's probably going to scare people off, but. I think that's more just the coaches do like Madison and it's also managing his carries a bit. I think that now that they're 0-1, um, you'll probably see Cook pick up and snap count this week is my best guess. And I think I'm I think that'll that'll work out. So definitely like the Cook-Hilton game stack there as well. So the Broncos running back
0: situation, it looked like we're heading towards a chair this year between Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay did not last very long last week. He actually looked like he was going to maybe take over as the guy right before he got hurt. They were starting They were starting to use him a little bit more. Melvin Gordon, after that fumble, Melvin Gordon didn't look very good that game. Then Philip Lindsay starts to play more of the snaps. He gets hurt. Gordon finishes decently down the stretch. How do you feel about Melvin Gordon heading into week two? Because I, I don't necessarily think Gordon's good, but he's 5,200, and it seems like he's going to play almost all of the snaps now.
1: Yeah, that this one really just hurts me from like an ego perspective. I was high on Philip Lindsay, best ball, you know, season long, etc. I the, the scenario that I saw playing out was playing out week one. Melvin Gordon sucks. Philip Lindsay doesn't suck. The Broncos were gonna figure it out eventually. Uh Philip Lindsay was starting to take over. Like you said, Melvin Gordon did his fumble thing. Uh he, he has had like a few issues like that. He just runs right into traffic, gets popped. He's not like the biggest, biggest dude um and and it and it happened like it was happening and then lindsey went down gordon came back he didn't he played kind of the hero he just he just got another chance basically got his game together a bit Uh, honestly i know the workload is probably going to be there but you know rice freeman is still going to get worked in a bit it's just the the matchup greg like i I want nothing to do with the running back against pittsburgh this year it was shutting saquon barkley down for six yards 15 carries like um, pretty insane. I, like if Saquon can't get going and I know that the, the, the O-lines are, are definitely um, a, a little bit of a difference here. You know, Denver's definitely grades out as better than, than the Giants. so that's not saying much. I still just, there, there's there's a couple other guys and, and I mentioned them already. They're just a little bit more expensive and and I'd rather pay up. I, I You know, if you're looking for a cheap running back, I don't think it's necessarily terrible because you're getting a guy who's going to get more concentrated snaps. Might be looking at even an 80% snap count if he starts well. And if Denver somehow does get ahead here, great spot. But I don't see that happening a ton, especially at home. So I think it's it's pretty risky, and I'm not a Melvin Gordon truther, so I'm, I'm just going to be out on this. Yeah, I'm just in on him in tournaments because of the
0: workload. And yeah, I think he's going to be involved in the pass game. He's going to be involved in the run game. So I'll have some exposure there. Uh, on, on the Barkley point you mentioned, just because I thought this was really funny from last week was you know, all these sports books, I'm doing these free giveaway type bats where they just like, Hey Colts. I mean, uh, chiefs plus 51 points, uh, whatever chiefs plus 101 points on DraftKings. So Fandle does that for the Monday night football game. They go Saquon Barkley over under nine and a half rushing yards. And Barkley ends up with six rushing yards in the game. The bet loses and everybody gets outraged on, on Twitter, which I thought was hilarious. But the point being anyway, that I, I agree with you, the Steelers have an excellent run defense. And even with the workload of Melvin Gordon, there's a chance that he duds. But I'm gonna have some exposure to him in GPP, and it's not like his ownership is all that crazy either. Uh, one more big injury news is we have Le'Veon Bell finds himself on injured reserve. Uh, the Jets very thin at running back. Is is this gonna be a Frank Gore week? Is is old man Frank Orr
1: gonna get like twenty touches this week? Oh man, I mean, I don't know who else is going to get touches for them, right? I mean. Um this is why they brought him in, right? To 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 kind of be like the the um, the reserve guy, the 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 safety net for for Levy and Bell. I mean, um, going up against San Francisco, it, it's a tough ask, but he's probably going to get twenty touches, isn't he? I mean, get a couple of receptions. I mean, but they have Josh Adams back there, and you know, I mean, I, I'm not even sure if there's another back that I'm missing. That's going to, that's going to get worked in. I mean, they, they brought in Kalen Balage. Yeah. Kalen Balage, Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess, um, you know, he'll probably get like a couple of carries and then fumble. So um, it's going to be the Frank Gore show, man. Like it is, it sounds strange, but I, I think I'd actually rather play Gore than Melvin Gordon. Um, although it's, it's, it's pretty close between those two. It's not like a huge price difference on DraftKings, anyways. So um, I, I don't know. I, I do think the jets are actually going to be a little bit live for the upset. And the, the, the 49ers are hurting, right? I mean, they got the, the wide receiver issues. Sherman's out. I think if I'm targeting Jets, probably would rather go with Prashad Perriman at 3,800 as like a cheap play because I think if they're going to win this game, they're going to need just that one big play. Like, I, like yeah, maybe Gore, Gore will grind them down, but I'm not sure how great a shot he's going to have at getting a touchdown. Um, the, the San Francisco D-line D still pretty good. They look fine. That's probably still the strength of their team. So... I feel like if the Jets are going to score, probably through the air, I'd rather play the cheap Perriman play than, than uh, the cheap Gore play. He's, he's in play. He, uh, very much similar to, to Melvin Gore, and I think Melvin Gore probably has a better shot at a bigger workload. Maybe Frank Gore, slightly better chance of finding the end zone. Yeah, it, it's tough for me to go to Gore just because I don't think the Jets are going to score very many points. Their offense
0: looked terrible in week one against the Bills, and then I don't expect passing, passing game work from Gore. So just with all I considered, it's it's kind of a touchdown or bust situation, I feel like, for Gore. And then who knows what yeah. the Jets are going to do with those other guys. Like, are they going to get Bellage worked in? I mean, they actually traded for him, which is crazy. The idea yeah. that they saw what Bellage did last year, and they're like, we want to make an investment in this guy. It's like, okay, whatever. It, so is, true. it, it is
1: true. It is like, true. They, they have Josh Adams activated, too, and Adam Gase will will just work in random, dudes. So there, there's a bigger factor of – a bigger threat of, of the workload getting cut.
0: So the high-end running backs, I know you mentioned you like Dalvin Cook. I like him also. Uh, then we have Christian McCaffrey came off a decent game, but he's in a really tough matchup against Tampa Bay. Saquon Barkley, who was absolutely terrible last week, tough matchup against the Bears. Of those two guys, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, which of them do you prefer? Barkley projected for almost no ownership this week. Do you think he could bounce back against the Bears? Nobody's going to want to roster him after he uh, didn't hit his over-under nine-and-a-half rushing yards prop. <laughs>
1: I'm in on Saquon this week, man. I, I like this New York Bears game to get a little crazy. I, I do think there's there's the possibility of that. The Bears rush defense let Adrian Peterson get 94 yards on like 13 carries or something like that. I mean, this this did not look like a good run defense. And and the thing with Saquon, and I know this is narrative. I know this is just, you know, BS floating out there in internet land. But Tiki Barber came on a New York Giants radio show and, and said Saquon Barkley wasn't an every down back last week, which is a ridiculous and B um, you know, th- if you saw Saquon's reaction, like it, it was not, it was not a happy dude. He's not happy about what happened week one. I guarantee that guy is absolutely embarrassed. This is, this is like a, just an elite elite athlete, you know, up there with just like the, the most genetically gifted dudes in the world. Um, this he is freaking embarrassed right now. I, I guarantee you, he is going to come out and lay down some big runs. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to work out, and I know it's 8,400, but, you know, if Adrian Peterson can get it going a little bit, Saquon Barkley is going to get it going a bit. And I think Joe Judge will definitely try and make that happen as much as possible. So I'm in on Saquon. Uh, I think that just from a pure projection standpoint, I agree. Like it's hard to say you know, the only argument Saquon versus Elliot is they're using Tony Pollard quite a bit in Dallas and I there's like Saquon's not going to come off the field. So I really do like this spot for Saquon. Um, I really like it in in terms of a game stack with Trubisky and Allen Robinson too. It's risky, but I, I really look, you look at the spot, I feel like the upside is pretty similar for Zeke and Barkley just because of the workload thing. So I'm really in on it. Um, just I I knew he was going to be low on, but you're right. Like, again, we'll throw this out there. He's projecting for like under 5% ownership, man. Like that's pretty crazy. I mean, that, that that's nuts. So I, I'm definitely in on it just from that perspective too.
0: I wish his price tag was a little lower. I'll say this though: somebody who plays a bunch of lineups, it's not hard to go over. It's not hard for me to be overweight to Barkley, right? I mean, if if you play if you play twenty lineups and you put Barkley in one of them, you're overweight to Saquon Barkley. So I I think that it's just really sensible to get some exposure to him, and you you just don't have to make a significant investment in him to be overweight. So you could play Barkley in one of twenty lineups, and he busts, and it doesn't kill you. But if he goes off, then that lineup is way different than all the other lineups because you've got twice as much Barkley as everybody else. Nobody wants to play him. It makes sense. Uh, I, I understand why the narrative is against him, but still.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumpacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumpacasino.com no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
0: he was he was the number two overall pick in most fantasy drafts entering the season i don't think people are just off of him now because i don't think people should be off of him now because of one game but It's the only one game we have of the entire season. If this game happened in, say, week five, and he'd already had a couple of big games, I think people would feel differently. People are going to make their lineups now thinking Saquon Barkley has never played well in his entire career. They're just going to think, like, oh, look what Barkley did last week. And that's the only memory people have of Barkley in the last year. So nobody's going to want to play him. He got six
1: six passes last week. I mean, yeah. (laughs) who cares if he doesn't rush for yards? He's going to, like, lead them in targets every week, so...
0: No, that's that's a fair point, too. I th- he's definitely going to be be able to crush regardless of game script. And I, I think it's pretty safe to say that week one was his worst fantasy game of the entire season. We got it out of the way. Yeah. And there's there's no reason to build lineups, assuming that is Saquon Barkley going forward. Uh, one more running back that I think we need to hit on here in the high range is Derek Henry, who is projected to be the highest owned expensive running back. Really favorable matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are likely going to have one of the worst run defenses in the league. Uh, Derrick Henry the other thing that's kind of nice about him if we go back to last year he did get a little bit more work in the passing game towards the end of last season than he had at the beginning of the season uh, I'm somebody who's never really rostered a ton of Derrick Henry in DFS and I'm starting to change that now going forward I've just been wrong about Derrick Henry in the past and I've done a 180 on him if I remember correctly I think some of the shows we've done in the past you weren't particularly high on Derrick Henry at points in time also because of his lack of work in the passing game how do you feel about him this week and
1: going forward yeah, the the thing with Derrick Henry is he's just you're either nailing it and he's getting like forty points, or it's just it's absolutely airball, right? So it's really hard to to determine those situations. But you, I mean, look, it's really it, it's hard for me to come in here and say this isn't a great spot for him. Obviously, you know, Jags losing their best uh, rush defender over the off season. he's absolutely destroyed the J, the Jags in like two of the last three matchups too. So it's not like we don't have some history going here. He looked really good last week, thirty one carries, obviously we know where the where the ball is going here too. I mean this is very much a, you know, Green Bay feeding DeVonte Adams. We know that's going to happen. We know that the the Tennessee defense is feeding Derrick Henry and like what are the Jags going to come out and take a 14-point lead here? Not likely, right? So the workload's probably going to be there. It's just does he get in the end zone, you know, twice and and really pay off? Um I'm not I'm still not sold he's going to ever see like more than three um uh targets a game, but Again, it's just a different type of beast when you're almost guaranteed like 24, 25 carries. So, yeah, absolutely a good spot. Um, I, I see the ownership. It's it's actually probably the scariest fade for me on this slate would, would be Derrick Henry against the Jags. Like, it's 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 a rough one. Like, I'll be sweating that if I end up fading him. Um, but I, I do like a lot of these mid-range uh, RBs. And the last guy I'll bring up is David Johnson. Again, I'm not afraid of the the Ravens' run defense. I think he looked really good last week. Ravens gave up a bunch of of yards to Nick Chubb and uh, and Kareem Hunt last week. So I I think that's actually like a little bit of a flaw in their, in their defense is is their rush stopping ability. They got a great, uh, a lot of great pieces elsewhere, but um, I think David Johnson can get going there. Duke Johnson's banged up. So I I really like that $5,800 price. You can come back with Marquise Brown if you want to game stack it as well, or just like it it was part of a Lamar Jackson stack. So, um, but back to Henry, you know, Barkley, I love the ownership. Henry, I love the spot. And, you know, maybe you play them both or maybe you just uh, pick one, but you know, I, I think uh, whoever you fade could end up burning you and whoever you, you get on could up, end up winning you one. It's just, you know, <laughs> who's, who's going to, who's going to make the big play, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, one more thought on David Johns, we'll move forward to wide receivers. He looked great last week. I mean, it, it, this I, doesn't excuse the the swap of him for DeAndre Hopkins. But if you're trying oh, to say exactly just you know, visu- it, it, yeah, if you're just trying to say visually, right? Like, what's the ideal situation for David Johnson? How he looked in week one. He got a lot of the touches. He looked good with the ball in his hands. He was really involved. He scored the Texans' first touchdown, if I remember correctly. So th- I thought he looked really good and like somebody who was healthy for the first time in a couple of years. So I don't know if maybe he was banged up a little bit last year, but he didn't look like the same player to me last year. And this year, he looks like the guy that he was a couple of years ago. It's obviously only been one game, so who knows what happens going forward. But I liked what I saw out of David Johnson in week one. He was somebody I was pretty high uh, on in best balls this year. So I I agree, it's a really tough matchup against the Ravens, but I'm going to want to get some David Johnson exposure, especially if Duke Johnson's out, because he's just going to have a massive workload on
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel exactly the same way. Uh, I think it's a good spot. Looks better. Well, I think he was dealing mainly with some soft injury stuff last year, too, so nothing major. As long as he just, you know, as long as it doesn't start to creep up again, I'll be in on David Johnson, especially at this price. All right, moving on to the
0: wide receivers. Chris Godwin, doubtful to play. Uh, We talked a little bit about the Buccaneers wide receiver situation last week, and I mentioned that I I thought that Chris Godwin was really the guy who made sense just from uh, a way that Tom Brady, where he's at in his career. I thought he was going to be looking in the slot for Chris Godwin a lot this year. And now that Chris Godwin is not likely to play in week two, Mike Evans stands to gain extra target share. He's only 6,400. I'm just a little concerned. Can Tom Brady get the ball downfield to Mike Evans?
1: Yeah, that, that is the question that's going to be answered this week. I mean, um, because uh, look, and you you listened to Bruce Arians after that New Orleans Saints game and basically said, I'm getting Mike Evans, 10 targets, like every game going forward. So it, Mike Evans is going to get targets this week. Like I, I, I virtually guarantee he gets 10 targets. I mean, I'll go as far as that. Uh, I mean, um, I, I, he's the, the volume is going to be there. He, uh, Bruce Arians doesn't like his guys to go down like that. He's very much, you know, a a player's coach in that regard. I know he likes to play the tough guy, but he really tries to build up his guys. And and this is a spot where he wants to build up uh, Mike Evans and he wants to build up the the Brady Evans connection. I I think you're going to see that happen. So, Evans was projecting really low at the start of the week. Obviously, you know, Godwin, doubtful. Evans put in a full practice, a little bit of this coach speak. Now he's he's up there. I am I am going to be in though at this price. I mean, 6400 I, I, you know, I've already talked up Allen Robinson, but I mean, this is kind of the range of wide receiver I want to target this week. Um, you know, I, I think you can pay up for, for Devonta Adams every week at this price and be okay. But there there is a lot of guys in the 6K range. I mean, Cooper obviously there, but I, I'm, I'm trusting, I'm trusting Mike Evans and Bruce Arians uh, this week. i um, going to definitely trust it more if Godwin's out and that'll probably bump his ownership up, but that's fine. Uh, I don't think he'll, he'll project as, as crazy with, with Cooper and, and other guys in that spot. So um, yeah, I'm in on it. So looking at some of the other wide receivers,
0: uh, and this is a question we got in the chat and it also ties into something we talked about before is do you run back Dallas stacks with either Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley? I think this is one of the best games of the slate to stack. I loved stacking that Seattle Atlanta game last week, and that worked out pretty well. That was one of the high scoring games. Yeah. I, I think there's going to be a ton of Falcons games that are really high scoring uh, this this year as well. So now looking at Julio Jones, he was big in Week One. Calvin Ridley was also big in Week One. Uh, you know what's funny is somebody, like I said in the chat, asked, "Do you run back with Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley?" I think you could go both and you could go with just a, a really stacked game stack and just load up on everybody in this game. Yeah. Uh, I do slightly prefer Julio Jones. Uh, do you
1: have a preference? From the wide receiver perspective, I, I would probably say, yeah, Julio. I mean, if you look at what, how Ridley got his points to, I mean, like uh, one of them was definitely pure garbage time. And a couple of his receptions were... They were pure garbage time. I mean, really, when when the game was still on it, it, it was Julio who was, who, I mean, Matt Ryan was going to. I don't think you're seeing, like, a shift or anything. Uh, you know, Russell Gage got nine receptions as well, I think, last week. Like, that was pure garbage time. So, I don't think you want to be relying on, you know, Matt Ryan just chucking to, like, his secondary receivers and garbage time. I think the way you get creative here is you take one of the receivers and you stack them with Todd Gurley. Uh, Cause Gurley is like under 10% out. And I know he, he only got like, you know, 12 carries last week, but again, garbage time took him out. They, the, 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 the Falcons are definitely managing his workload, which sucks, but you know, they're Owen one. Now the reason they took him out early last game is because the game was over. If you think this one stays competitive and you, you really have to think about you know stacking that this one's going to stay competitive, more competitive anyways. Um, Gurley could, could easily you know push for, for 25 touches here. I don't think they're afraid to give it to him. I just think that in obvious situations they're going to take him out, which is what happened last week. He looked fine in spots. Dallas's run defense actually didn't really look good. I mean, letting Malcolm Brown score twice, uh, pile up a bunch of yards, that's not good. I mean, Todd Gurley's better than Malcolm Brown. I feel safe saying that. Um, so I, I like going with Gurley. I, I definitely want to get exposure to one of the wide receivers as well. But like Greg said, you can game stack this one like almost fully. So Take a couple, you know, you get contrarian with the girly, then you can take the chalk. It gives you a more unique build. Uh, and then I like just stacking Dak with with one of his receivers on the other side. So, The,
0: so the other thing I'll say about the Julio, Jones ver, the Julio Jones versus Calvin Ridley discussion, there's only a $600 difference in their price tag. Right. So yeah. it, it's not like there's some massive discount you're getting on Ridley. I still think Julio Jones is a better overall receiver, and the ownership isn't that much different. Julio's projected for a little bit more ownership, but they're both in the teens. So all things considered, it's you're kind of just picking between who you think the better player is because the, the ownership is about even, the price is about even. So all that considered, I'm going towards Julio Jones. I think he's the better player. I think he's in line for another monster season. Uh, going into more value, somebody mentioned before, the Jets are so banged up on offense. And not only is Le'Veon Bell out, who has a pretty big role in the passing game, uh, we have, we have Jamison Crowder out. And he played a, a huge role. He got a ton of targets last week. So now there's just all these targets available. I understand that it's a tough matchup on paper against San Francisco 49ers defense, but Richard Sherman's out. So that's going to keep the secondary at least a little weaker than usual. And the Jets are probably going to be playing from behind in this game. They're going to have to be throwing the ball to somebody. Uh, the first bill died that I came out with a ton of Brashad Perryman. I know you mentioned you like him before. Is there any other Jets receiver that you're willing to go to? Because that's something I'm really struggling with is, I don't know how to not roster Perryman a ton this week.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, unless you want to see, unless you want to go Chris Hogan, right. And there's, you know, one reception on four targets last week for zero yards. Um, but, you know, Chris Hogan is probably going to get targets as well. He's probably going to get like six or seven targets minimum. Because there's no one else out there. And um, it, it's, it's really hard for me to sit here. I mean, um, you know, Braxton, Braxton Barrios might get some, some slot receiver work. I mean, you could go there, I guess. Hey, who knows? what that dude is going to do is he's even going to see more than a couple targets. So it's kind of Hogan Perryman, or, you know, maybe you go to Chris Herndon who, who will garner some ownership, but I'd be in on, on Perryman. He's not getting overly chalky. You know, you mentioned Sherman being out. I mean, I think the the, the route the jets take uh, in this game to, to make it close is they, they get a big player too, from a guy like Perriman. So I think that's on the table. I mean uh, the, the the 49ers defense let Arizona come back and 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 win that game. So anything is possible here. I mean, I, you know, you got a West coast team going East um, Jetson in, in kind of a do or die spot. I mean, I know San Francisco is as well, but um, I, I don't mind it. I really don't. I think you're looking at, at the cheap receivers. At least we know with Perryman, he's the dude, he's, he's probably going to get the biggest volume. He's the number one receiver. You know, I know the Tampa Bay guys, we kind of skipped over like Justin Watson, probably going to play a lot if, if Godwin's out Scotty Miller, who I really like got some targets, but we don't necessarily know where the ball is 100% going to go there. I mean, Evans could just pile up 12 targets, and those two guys could get four targets. Perriman's, I don't want to say guaranteed for a certain number of targets, but he's going to be the guy, right? Like, if, if, if someone gets peppered with targets on the Jets, it's going to be Perriman. There's no doubt about it. So I do feel a little more comfortable uh, with him from that perspective.
0: All right, good to get some confirmation bias there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Perriman, here's the other thing with Perriman, too is he played really well down the stretch last season for Tampa Bay. And maybe yeah. I would be a little more gun shy with him if we didn't already see him play really well in kind of a top wide receiver situation. But end of last year, I mean, Chris Godwin was banged up. Mike Evans was got was banged up. And Perriman looked terrific. He is a really strong athletic profile. He was somebody who was really well regarded coming out of college and just never really panned out for, for a whole number of reasons. But it looks like he's still, I mean, he's still fairly young also. He looked great at the end of last year, and I was kind of surprised that he went for so cheap in free agency. And I kind of think this is the spot for him to step up. I wish the matchup was a little bit better, but the price tag is so favorable that I can't get away from him. So I'm, I'm going to have a lot of Rashad Perryman. Uh, one other guy who's in that same price range that we have to talk about, Corey Davis had a great week one game, uh, ends up now only 4,000. A.J. Brown now not expected to play in week two. Corey Davis, who I think everybody in the fantasy community has been waiting for a breakout maybe until last week. I think everybody finally gave up on him, and then he showed up. I, I'm really struggling with Corey Davis. Do I want to roster Shaw Corey Davis? Um, I'm I'm gonna have some exposure to him. I don't know how much Corey Davis I want because everybody's been burned by Corey Davis in the past. I don't know if I'm willing to look at one good game from him and just be like, oh, he's the guy for Tennessee now. AJ Brown is out, so there's going to be extra targets going his way. I kind of feel like they're just gonna run the ball with Derrick Henry a million times though. With AJ Brown out, uh, how
1: confident are you in Corey Davis? I mean, here's my take on, on Tennessee receivers. I don't want to ever trust a Tennessee wide receiver. I don't care if it's A.J. Brown or anyone. I mean, maybe maybe A.J. Brown on like a shorter slate or something. Sure, he's got a lot of upside, but I don't know why anyone would ever get excited about these guys. I mean, they, they don't throw the ball a ton. Their offense runs through Derrick Henry. You're just praying an event happens. And, and last week, you know, the event happened where Corey Davis kind of had just a good game finally. Uh, the targets went up because A.J. Brown was hurt. Um, you know, the, their kicker missed every field goal, so they kept the game close. Now they're going up against Jacksonville, man. Like th- this could easily just be, you know, Derrick Henry just takes off from the start and Corey Davis gets five targets. So, uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to trust this at all. I mean, he, yeah, he's another former one number uh, wide receiver, you know, in the first round, taking the first round. They also, you know, the, the Jags have, you know, Henderson. I mean, their their high-round draft pick on corner. He looked actually really good in week one. So it may be not the easiest matchup e- ever either for Corey Davis. I assume they'll they'll put him on, on Davis. So yeah, all things considered, I, I don't I don't want to eat this chalk. I mean, if Corey Davis does it two weeks in a row, you know, I'll, I'll bump him up starting going forward. But um, it, it's just it's just a, a a game, a team thing, right? Like again, this isn't a high-volume passing offense, it's never really going to be. Uh, and I don't, I don't, not gonna take a one week sample size and all of a sudden bump Corey Davis up a ton.
0: All right, so we'll move on to tight ends now. Also, something to check out, guys free content of the day. If you go to com, check out the NFL Express top stacks tool. It's a really easy, easy tool to use. Let's say you're in a lineup building emergency, you don't know who you want to roster. You go check out the top stacks tool, the Express version, and Alex has uh, like a GPA type grade for individual stacks for each team, where it'll be like, hey, this is the best this is the best wide receiver to stack with this quarterback and he gives it a a grade on a gpa scale of 1.0 to 4.0 and that's a good way to just look at some quick stacks to help you build some lineups
1: i would definitely go take take a look at that guys that, that is an awesome tool uh ranks out you know gives you a bunch of different percentages and stuff like that ownership so cool that he's making it free and guys if we could i know there's like almost 400 of you guys watching hit that like button guys we could get over 100 for the show that'd be really appreciated me and greg uh Definitely appreciate
0: that. Yeah. And uh, one thing that's good is we've actually been building an audience as we've gone along, not that's not good. losing an audience. So that's yeah, that's I mean the word's amazing.
1: getting out, Greg. You know, like we're we're doing the show together now. It's a big thing on the internet. So
0: it's it's all anybody's talking about. Tight ends. George Kittle is going to be out this week. I was kind of surprised. I assumed he was gonna play because as ugly as that knee injury looked that he suffered at the end of the first half, he didn't miss a snap in the second half. So I just assumed that George Kittle was going to play, but kind of be limited. Like I was ready for this week to just have George Kittle out of my player pool, assuming that he was going to be banged up. Now it's a very easy decision to have him out of the player pool because he's not (laughs) active. Uh, Jordan Reed, who isn't projected for a lot of ownership now, I assume that's going to change by the time tomorrow comes around. 2,600, I mean, if you would have said to me that a a 49ers tight end is going to be hurt, I would have said Jordan Reed is a layup to get hurt. But now all of a sudden Jordan Reed finds himself – in a premier tight end uh, spot again at a cheap price. Yeah. I think he's a really strong value play. Could you talk me off Jordan Reed or do you agree?
1: Well, I, I think I'm probably going to try and talk you off Jordan Reed a little bit. Um, you know, a couple a couple things, to factors. I mean, look, Russ Dwelly is still a thing. I mean, the, it's not like Jordan Reed came in and played all the snaps. I mean, Dwelly, um, you know, s- seven snaps uh, last week. Jordan Reed played 10 um, look, if you're asking me who the better player is, yeah, Jordan Reed is, is still like a really talented dude. I mean, there was a time when, when he was obviously going as like one of the top tight ends and in, in drafts and stuff like that. So I mean, from a pass catching perspective, yeah, Jordan Reed much more likely to get you like a, a, a ceiling type game. But, you know, another factor in this is the defense they're going up against and just the team. I mean, it's a slow paced Jets team. Um, they were fourth uh, last year in terms of limiting uh, the fourth fewest points of, from the tight end position, so they've always been pretty good at, at doing that. It is a Greg Williams defense, but um, you know they they were they've kind of got good personnel in that respect. Um, I, I don't really I don't really feel the need to to do this. Uh, I guess um, I just don't really trust that that Shanahan is just going to throw Jordan Reed out there for for 100 of snaps. Now, if we got some confirmation that that might happen yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd be much more inclined, but that's, that's kind of, we got to wait on late news kind of thing. So, um, you know, if you're, I, I guess the, the argument for Jordan Reed is if you want to punt tight end, probably the best option still, because, you know, um, I'm not going to go back to like Robert Tanya and, and Green Bay, who knows what's going to happen there. I mean, Irv Smith got like one target for Minnesota. Don't, I mean, Mo Ali Cox is, is the only other dude, right? I mean, he's three K, um, I don't know if I want to trust that though either. I mean, Mo Ali Cox again. I mean, at least Jordan Reed, you got the pedigree. You got like a really a guy who, if he does get the opportunity, is going to produce. Ali Cox is like a touchdown play only. You're you're just hoping that Rivers you know targets him a couple times in the red zone. So
0: he kind of reminds me of the Vernon Davis value play from back in the day. Remember, we used to have all the Vernon Davis for whatever reason was a backup tight end who used to be a starter that. Got to be like 50 years old, but kept yeah. finding himself. And he in starting up tight Jordan
1: end. Reed too. That's the yeah. Funny thing, right?
0: so. <laughs> and and also was on the 49ers at one point. So there's kind of a yeah. tie in there for everything. But Vernon Davis was guy who who was a really talented tight end who kept finding himself in value situations at like 2500 and doing well. And that's kind of where I view Jordan Reed this week. I think he is that uh, same kind of upside. So running short on time, uh some of the other tight ends. How do you feel about Travis Kelsey? Because without George Kittle, uh, he's actually not coming in at a ton of ownership, Kelsey. But I feel like you just kind of gravitate towards me if you have the leftover salary because you know who else are you going to spend up for tight end? I mean, Mark Andrews is okay, but he doesn't have the same sort of target share. He doesn't have the, the same amount of snap rate as Travis Kelsey. The so first thing that Kelsey, especially for cash games, I think he makes a ton of sense to pay up for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially on a slate with a lot of value. I can definitely see that. Again, I'm not sure... Who else? I'd even you know feel great about recommending as a cash game play. Maybe Higby, um, but you know Everett's probably going to play, so that that bumps down that a bit. I, I will say this: um, I'm gonna have a lot of Logan Thomas uh, for better or worse. Eight targets last week, going up against uh, the Cardinals, who obviously last last week were were or last year were one of the worst uh, teams in defending against the tight end ever. Um, you know the ownership for for Logan Thomas, I don't think is is quite up there to anything crazy. Uh, yet, unless I'm uh, missing something, but or it's changed, but um wow, well, he's he's he is up there. But uh, it's nothing crazy. Again, he's he's one of the you know top five plays, but um, it's it's not like Uber chalk situations. I'm fine with eating that though. Um Thirty six hundred talented dude, second in targets on on Washington uh, last week. Uh, I think he's going to continue to get involved. Um, you know, Herndon is the other guy we mentioned, just with like so few targets to throw to on the Jets. So. I kind of like that range for cash as well. But again, if you have value and, and you're, you know, you're building a your lineups, I think paying up for Travis Kelsey is probably a really good difference maker. Um, it's just so much more secure than, than relying on these crappy teams to to keep doing what they're doing with their tight ends. I don't, I, as much as I like Thomas in the spot, I don't actually know what's going to happen with him this week. Like he could easily just bump down to three targets again, um, or he could just keep getting the same and, 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 you know, be a even more solid producer. So there's way more unknown with those dudes.
0: Yeah, I, I think the other thing with Kelsey, and it's just what you mentioned, too, when, when George Kittle is in an option, Kelsey just stands on an island by himself in terms of pricing. And if he's not going to be popular, you just by default have a way different lineup construction if you roster Kelsey. If people aren't going to be on him, you're just in a totally different price range, and you have totally different amounts of, of salary to use in other positions. Uh, I, I'm kind of surprised as a whole. I don't think the Chargers defense is going to be particularly great this year without Derwin James there. And there's just no ownership going to the KC guys Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. It's very odd to think that the Chiefs are a contrarian stack and what's probably a plus matchup. Uh, That's just something I'm always going to want to take advantage of because it's the Chiefs. They have, you know, who is more upside than Kansas City. Uh, So defenses, uh, I think one team that somebody asked about this in the chat is what do we feel about the Jets' defense? So here's the deal I mean, the 49ers are so banged up on offense. I don't really know what to expect from Jimmy Garoppolo this year. I think he could be decent. Maybe, maybe he won't be by the same amount at all. So I'm always looking to save salary at defense and given the price tag of the Jets
1: and how banged up the 49ers offenses, I, I think this is a, a great value play. Yeah, I agree. I'm back on the Jets. I know we talked about the Jets and the, and the Washington team last year or last week and Washington really worked out. I mean, the Jets weren't bad though. I mean, I know they got, they got dropped on early, but the rest of the game, they were good. I mean, they, 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 they did what I said they do. They pressured Josh Allen. Uh, I believe they got a, a turnover too. Actually, I'm not sure about that, but no, they didn't. But um, they they did end up, you know, take him down a, a couple of times. Oh no, they did they get a couple fumble recoveries. So there you go. Um, it's just that they they just got behind early. If that game, you know, if they can just shore things up a little bit early in that game, probably looking at like a, a more of a, a Washington output. So yeah, I love it. East coast team, uh, or sorry, West coast team going east for an early game. Um, jets definitely, you know, defense should be taking some positives from the late in that game. I like it a lot, man. Um, definitely the cheap defense I'm going to be gravitating towards, you know, I don't hate the Colts as well, although they, they really didn't let me down. Like I thought the Colts defense would be a little bit better than that this year. So I'm not exactly sure what to expect from them. 100%. Um, but other than cheap defenses, you know, the only other, uh, the, the, the next team I would go up to after those two, I mentioned would be the Rams. At 2,800, um, I think that Philly O-line is in deep trouble. Now they got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey coming in. Um, I, I definitely like the Rams at 2,800, too. Yeah, I mean, the everybody
0: was all over Carson Wentz last week. I mean, Washington was in the backfield on him, on almost every play ended up getting sacked eight times. Now you've got Aaron Donald in the middle. There is no way there's anybody on that Philly makeshift offensive line that's blocking no. him. I, I think there's no reason to think the Rams can't do the same thing to Carson Wentz that Washington did last week. Uh, Speaking of bad offensive lines, one other team that I'm just going to throw out as uh, a defense that's getting almost no ownership. If You want to pay up the the Bears only coming in at 1% ownership. The Giants did decently in pass protection for Daniel Jones last week, but they did nothing in run protection. I kind of feel like it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Like the run protection is probably going to be a little bit better. The pass protection is probably going to be a little bit worse. Daniel Jones also already a very mistake prone quarterback through two awful interceptions last week. Uh, Last year was on pace to set the fumble record for a quarterback if it wasn't for him taking over in the middle of the season. That's a really high upside defense that I'm seeing not get any ownership. So, uh, Jeff, let's close the show this week the
1: same way we closed last week. Favorite stack of the week. So, yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be the Bears and and Giants game again. uh, I I do like going to the cheap QB in Mitch Trubisky, still not getting any love. I I feel like, uh, you know, Saquon's going to be able to run a little bit. And, uh, you know, maybe the only worry for me in that game is Daniel Jones just does start coughing the ball up, uh, you know, continuously. And then the Bears defense does a bunch of scoring. But I think I think this could be one of those games where Trubisky comes in. He's, he's got some confidence. Another week D. He just starts chucking the ball to Allen Robinson and, and ends up with one of those, you know, three, four uh, touchdown games again. So I, I like that. I like coming back with Saquon on the other side. Um, that That's going to be kind of my, my top stack right there. And you could even throw Anthony Miller in, too. who has got a fantastic matchup. So here's, I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes
0: to Travis Kelsey. You can make fun of me and say, hey, everybody knows about Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Sure, but nobody's rostering them this week. Nobody's Nobody's playing them. them. So if this holds holds true to tomorrow where we really have 3% owned Patrick Mahomes and 8% owned Travis Kelsey, I I love that combination. I don't know. I, I think that just on paper, if you said to me coming into the year, what is the highest upside QB to tight end combination? Everybody's saying Kelsey to Mahomes. Yeah, here we are week two, nobody's rostering. Yes, their own. So, uh, so as an ownership play, I think that, that makes sense. It happens
1: like matter. twice a year or two, or two or three times a year. Nobody plays Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs skill players. and Then they go off for like, you know, 60 points in the stack or something. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, I got to play them next week. And then they're all 20% on the so.
0: so that's going to wrap up the show, guys. Thanks for listening. Before you leave, drop us a like. Click that thumbs up button. Everybody, good luck in week two.